we're starting a new series today that I'm, I'm pretty excited about, and it's in the book of Proverbs, and uh, it's entitled Summer Wise, Summer Not. And uh, so you can see kind of how we did that there. It's pretty, I, I'm going to give Clint credit for that, and uh, speaking of dad jokes, but no, Summer Wise, Summer Not, and uh, we're going to be navigating through uh, this summer in the book of Proverbs. Now, uh, the word proverb simply refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. And uh, some of you thought that was just a fortune cookie. <laughs> no, uh, actually the book of Proverbs is much deeper, it's much better. And, uh, but the purpose of this book, is, uh, of a proverb, is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living successfully in God's world. That's, that's the purpose behind it. So I just want to start by reading Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to read the first seven verses, and uh, it's kind of an introduction to this book, and uh, we're going to talk about wisdom today, and we're going to kind of set the plate, if you will, uh, for where we're going. So if you're watching this online, uh, you can binge all of them if you wait a few weeks, but uh, uh, you need to come back. And some of you might need to be bringing neighbors and friends and, and, and your children, but... Uh, Maybe this is just for you, because God knows that you would be here today. Proverbs chapter 1, verses seven, 1 to 7, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So right there, it kind of gives us, it kind of sets it up, it kind of gives us the introduction to what this is about, the book of Proverbs, we have this statement of purpose, it was written down, it's written down for the young, for uh, for those that uh, uh, are unwise. But it also says, for those that are wise, read it, continue to read it, and add to your wisdom. So uh, it, it, there's more wisdom we can gain from this, to receive wisdom, discernment, guidance. I don't know about you, you don't have to be a rocket science. How many of us need, how many of you need wisdom, discernment, and guidance right now today? Okay, it should be 100%. You're raising your hands at home. Uh, I'm raising both hands. We need wisdom today like never before, and we get that from God's word. So we go to this book, the book of Proverbs. The author of this book is Solomon. It's pretty much undisputed. First line says, Proverbs of Solomon, king, uh, uh, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon was the third king of Israel. Remember, David was his father, and uh, most likely he was young when he, when he became king. Tradition says he was about 17 years old when he became king of Israel. Josephus, the Jewish historian, dates him at 14 years old when he became king. So what other way? He was young. But he becomes very rich, one of the most rich and powerful kings the world has ever known. And he expands Israel's boundaries to the greatest place it ever was. But very early in his reign as king, God appeared to him and said, you can ask for anything you want. And you might recall this, that Solomon... He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for more riches. He didn't ask for, for uh, victory over his enemies. He just said, God, I need wisdom. I'm too young. I need wisdom. And we know that God gave him wisdom. And in addition to that, he also gave him power and strength. And most all, most all the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon. 
Specifically, chapters 1 through 24 are attributed to Solomon because it says, Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. But then Proverbs, the, the chapters 25 through 29, there it says more Proverbs of Solomon compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So 200 years after Solomon's reign, there was a godly king by the name of Hezekiah, and he enlisted some men to write down the sayings, so maybe like the verbal transit, uh, tradition or the oral traditions of these are attributed to Solomon, so, so those were also uh, put down. And then chapter 30 kind of stands alone because it's the sayings of Agar, or Agar. And then chapter 31, it says the sayings of King Lemuel. Now what's interesting about that is Lemuel just means devoted to God, and most rabbis believe that that was another name for Solomon. So pretty much Solomon wrote the entire Proverbs except for chapter 30. And in the Old Testament, in Chronicles, it states that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. And of those 3,000, in the book of Proverbs, we have about 900 of them. But uh, here's, I'm, I'm lying some, is it okay if I just lay some ground today, if I just build kind of foundation where we're going to go? And uh, some of you don't care about history, and some, but this is important. It's very foundational. If we get this right today, I think the next several weeks are going to be better for us. Because we've got to realize that the book of Proverbs is what they call wisdom literature. Now, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and the book of Job in the Old Testament are under the category wisdom literature. Maybe some of you were like me. You went to Bible college. I took a course called wisdom literature. I really wish I would have paid attention, <laughs> especially now. Um, <laughs> some New Testament scholars want to put the book of James also as wisdom literature. I thought that was interesting. But why am I talking about wisdom literature? Because when it comes to wisdom literature in the Bible, those, those, specifically those four books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, the book of Job, and let's throw in James, we have to interpret those through a particular lens and understand what we're doing here. Because if we don't, it's going to be confusing and it might even be disillusioning to you. So what do I mean by that? Well, before we dig in, let me just say these three things about interpreting wisdom literature. First of all, we have to understand it's practical, not theoretical. And I'm not going to go over anybody's head today. Don't worry about it. It's practical. What I mean about that, this is, it's, it's information for life. It's not a lesson in theology. And so, I mean, I know some of you lay awake at night and you're just like in your mind, in my pre-trib, and my post-trib. I mean, how does Revelation relate to, you know, I wonder if my neighbor is pre-trib or, po you know, this is not it. Most of us deal with, I'm stressed out too much. I eat too much. My kids are a mess. My finances are trouble. I need help in my marriage. And I got to look to God's word for help. See what I'm saying? It's practical. It's going to help us in everyday life. The book of Proverbs is a very practical level and it deals with us on a level of everyday living. How do we process life? How do we deal with life? How do we manage my family, myself, my money, my integrity? So, so this is going to help us now. It's practical, not theoretical. Second thing we need to know is it's truisms, not promises. Now, this is super important because I think this will help us with the wisdom literature like Proverbs because it's truisms, not promises. What I mean by that? Well, the, probably one of the biggest mistakes is that we can make about this book and about wisdom literature is the advice and counsel of the book of Proverbs is this. 
If we build our lives on these principles, if we incorporate these principles, these truisms into our everyday life, life is going to go better for us generally, okay? It's not guaranteed. But generally speaking, if we build our lives on these biblical truisms, that things will go better. They're not intended to be taken as promises. Now, some of you might already be going there, but let me tell you, Proverbs twenty-two sixteen. You've heard this. If you've heard any Proverbs, you've heard this one. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they were old, they will not depart from it. Is that a truism or is that a promise? It's a truism. It's a truism. What it does not say is if you are a great godly parent, you are guaranteed to have awesome kids that will never stray, right? Now, I'm not saying also that you can't be that great godly parent and build principles into their life and they have stayed with it and they're serving God today and you can thank God for that, but it is not a promise to everyone. It's, it, it's kind of the principle of sowing and reaping. What are you sowing into the life? And that's what we're going to reap. And this is what will happen when we do our best to follow these truisms in this wisdom literature. But here's what I know. You can raise your kid in church. You can still them in godly principles. You can be a Christ-like example to the best that you can do. And sometimes your kids are going to choose another path. And when that happens, it doesn't mean that God's word is not true. It doesn't mean that God can't be trusted. You see how if we take them as promises, we can... How many parents have had guilt trips poured on their shoulders because they said, I went to church, I raised my kid in church, and now they're not a pastor somewhere, or they're not even serving God somewhere, and so what happened to the promise? I can't trust God. It means that if you practice these truths, generally speaking, it will influence your children for the better. I heard about a lady that prayed for her children every day of her life, and she died at 80, and her son never did anything Christ-like, but when he was 80, he gave his life to Christ. So sometimes those investments, it's sowing and reaping, right? Or how about this, Proverbs 13, 11, it says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's not a promise, but it is a good principle. You know, that's that principle of interest bearing. I put away, I put away, I save, I put it, it's going to grow. But you know what? I can do all the right things. I can have a great retirement plan. And that doesn't mean that something's going to happen to the stock market. Hello. <laughs> doesn't mean that something can happen in, in my life that puts me out of work. Pension plans can fail. Divorce can take a wrecking ball to your finances. There are health issues. There's employment issues. All these things. It's not a promise, but it is a truism. It's still wise. It's still the right thing to do. And generally, things go well when we follow them. So, see, it's important that we kind of lay this foundation. The problem is that when we take these as promises, people get disappointed and disillusioned in themselves when they interpret it this way. And they get in life and they find themselves where their kids aren't doing well or their marriage is struggling or they're broke. And they say, why isn't God faithful to me? Why isn't he faithful to his word? These things are not a reflection on God's word or on you personally, 
But these things can and will go wrong. This is why it's life, and this is why we're not made for this world permanently. How many say that's a good news? You know, this is just a scratch. We're headed for eternity. Then it's perfect. Then it's perfect. Okay. I'm preaching when I'm supposed to be laying stuff, so let's just, uh, let's just keep going. So number three is that when interpreting wisdom literature, they're principles, not methods. They're principles, not methods. What you find in Proverbs is the principle of how to handle your parenting. And in the book of Proverbs, it states very clearly the responsibility for the education of your children is on the parents. It's a biblical principle, right? But the method is up to you how you get that done. There's not any one, two, three. And this is a struggle for me because I like, tell me what to do. (laughs) How many have had that prayer? God, just tell me what to do. Just write it down and I'll do it. But what we're finding here is is we have principles and not so much methods. You have the freedom when you're raising your children to say, okay, what's best for us? Public school or charter school or maybe Christian school or maybe homeschool. Isn't it interesting that, that God gives us the freedom to be able to live that out? The principle can be the same, and here's why. Principles don't change. Methods do. Sometimes we get those mixed up because we used to think that you know the principle of worship was we all worship in a certain way. No, no, no. The Bible says, worship God with all your heart. He leaves a method to us, right? But principles are those rock-solid things that don't change. But methods can change. So you determine the method, which, you know, leads us to a place a lot of times where we know the principle, and we're looking for that step, and we're on our knees crying out, God, give me wisdom. And somehow God loves to keep me in that spot, Just asking for his wisdom and crying out, saying, God, I need to know. He wants you seeking after him. Because, you know, sometimes I follow the things in the Proverbs, and then I go to God and say, one of these kids is going to die. You pick one. You know, (laughs) I can't do this anymore. Some of you understand what that means. But it's about wise principles, okay? So they're truisms. They're practical. They're principles. And we can take from that. And I think we're going to learn in the next several weeks you know, most book studies go, that we go chapter by chapter. And a lot of times when we'll study through a book, we do a chapter. This is going to be very thematic. Why do I say that? Because, well, there's, there's issues and there's principles about money all through the book. There's principles about relationships all through the book. It's not like we can just do one, two, three. So we're going to hit seven principles or seven things, and you'll see those on the screen. Today we're talking about wisdom. There will be one on money. There will be one on sexuality. We'll be careful, it won't be graphic, okay? Uh, family and friends, speech, vices, hello? If you get invited to that service, hello? Uh, and then virtues. So today, I just want to start with the overarching theme of the book, and that is wisdom. The word wise or wisdom is found 120 times in the book of Proverbs. The purpose of wisdom, again, is to help us acquire and apply, that word is important, apply wisdom to our everyday lives. So let's just look at a couple things here. First of all, the description of wisdom. The description of wisdom is that wisdom is a Hebrew word. It's the word hakam, hakam, if you want to, if you're from the south. (laughs) You know, when I use Hebrew words, you know, there's one guy in the room that knows, like, hey, you mispronounced that. But yeah, come on, right? You're taking my word for it. But anyway, it is. It's, it's, it's true. It's, 
But it was also, that word was also used for artisans and skilled workers in the Old Testament. You remember when Moses was trying to build the tabernacle and he collected skilled people, artisans, people that could make beautiful things, he, that word was he found people with wisdom. When Solomon built the temple of God, he imported people in, same word there, hakam, they brought them in, they had wisdom. Because here's the deal, wisdom is like the building blocks of life, and it is the skillful application. So it's being skilled in applying these things in order to be able to benefit from God's word. And you will hear these words together when we read through this. You're going to hear three words, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. They're, they're all through the book, that you can gain knowledge, that you can gain understanding, that you can gain wisdom. So what's the difference between those? Because knowledge is used 39 times in the book, understanding is used 35 times, and just the word wisdom, not, not wise, but the word wisdom is 51 times. What's the difference? Knowledge is the accumulation of information. How many know we don't have a problem with information today? <laughs> it is coming to us. So just being knowledgeable is not enough. That's the accumulation of information. Understanding is interpreting that knowledge that we just gained. Knowledge, accumulation, understanding is interpreting that. But wisdom is the application of those things into my life. You see why wisdom is so important? Because some of us know some really smart people that do dumb things. Don't point fingers, and I have been that guy, right? You know, we got a lot of people that got a lot of knowledge. They know a lot, but when it comes to applying it to their life, it just doesn't seem to work. And three times in the Bible, it commands us in this book, get wisdom. Make it superior to these other things. Wisdom is superior to even knowledge and understanding because you can get your brain full and you can actually know how to uh, 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 interpret all that, but until you put it into action by application to your life, it's not gonna work. Wisdom is so important. We don't have an information problem in this world. I could bore you with, I could bore you and your brain with amazing statistics. You know, they said one copy of the uh, New York Times has more information in it than George Washington or Thomas Jefferson ever had in their entire life. I'm not talking about like useful information, but it has more information in volume. Just one paper today. It's amazing. There's 8.5 billion Google searches every day, people trying to get smart. How many, when you have to do something, even though you've done it 10 times, how many you Google how to do it first? Just, just, just in case it changed, you know what I mean? Somebody asked me a question, just a minute. I mean, what did, we, what did we ever do without Google? 8.5 billion times. You know, there's 23 billion text messages sent per day. That's, because I know you want to know this, 270,000 per second. Now you can go to lunch. 6,000 tweets every second. We don't have an information problem. It's not that. We have an application problem. It's how we apply these principles to our life. Somebody asked Albert Einstein one time, what's the difference between genius and stupidity? And he said, well, the difference is genius has its limits. <laughs> it's kind of a time delay. It's kind of like you're going, ah. 
Kind of got to finish the rest of that joke, right? How many know that stupid doesn't have its limits? <laughs> so what we're talking about is the, the definition of wisdom. So with our time left, this was just a few minutes, let's talk about the source of wisdom. Obviously, I am talking to you and I'm teaching today from a biblical perspective. How many are grateful for that, right? This is from a biblical perspective. So the source of wisdom is Jesus. The source of wisdom is Jesus. In Colossians 3.2, it says, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's all in Jesus. If you really want wisdom from God, get to Jesus. Godly wisdom comes through Jesus. Now, are we saying that somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus or doesn't really have a faith at all, that they're not wise? I'm not saying that. There are a lot of people in our culture today and live throughout time that have been very smart at being able to be very successful. They've been very smart and they've made wise choices financially and seen it grow. They've used these principles. Maybe they didn't even think they were biblical principles, but they have become very wise. But there's a difference, here's the, here's the caveat, between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. There's a difference. Now, aren't these examples of people who you know, don't have faith and yet, yeah, yeah, they're out there. Everybody's not just dumb out there. I mean, there's wisdom out there. But earthly wisdom, according to scripture, is based on selfish ambition and personal gain. But heavenly wisdom is superior. Is that my opinion? No. Let's go to the book of James. James chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Someone has put these practices into their life. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and it goes as far as to say demonic, or from the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you're going to find disorder and every evil practice. Sounds like my town, sounds like my country. There may be people in our lives, like I said, that have made themselves very successful on a certain kind of wisdom. But verse 17, here's the kicker. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reach a harvest of righteousness. This is the wisdom we're talking about. These are the things we're trying to gain and extract from this book and put them to work in our life. And I'm telling you, like never before do we need this kind of wisdom in our culture today. You can insert an amen in there even if you don't think it's that great. But I'm telling you, that's how, that's where we're going. Doesn't mean you, you'll never be wise, if you, but I'm telling you, when we dial into the wisdom that comes from heaven, there are, there are benefits to that. In fact, we're going to see in the Proverbs, there's benefits, happiness, longevity, honor, peace, protection. All those things are the benefits of gaining godly wisdom. 
So at this point, you're probably wondering, okay, 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 you convinced me. How do I get wisdom? How do I get wisdom? And I could lay out to you like this complicated scenario and maybe formula. And again, we want one, two, three steps, right? But here's what James says in James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lack wisdom, anyone? Anyone? If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generally, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or her. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown, tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So God is telling us, if you lack it, ask for it, and ask for it confidently without doubt. Trust it. Trust that when we dial into God's word, that wisdom is wisdom you can take to the bank. That wisdom is what James described as wisdom that comes from God. That wisdom is eternal. It's not going to pass away. Some of you have maybe put promises where truism should be, and you've felt very guilty about things that didn't turn out the way you wanted them to. And I'm telling you, would you just lean back into God's word and realize that does not discredit God's word being true? And that doesn't put a mark on your life I love what he says here. It says, God will give generously without finding fault in you. How many have ever gone to somebody for wisdom and you got a lecture about how dumb you are for so long, right? God's not like that. He said, if you lack it, come to me. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously. And you must believe and not doubt. So we're going to ask for it. We're going to spend a good portion of our summer just digging through and saying, God, this life is too crazy. The issues in my life are too real. And so many things have the ability to derail me, confuse me, steal my joy, that I want the wisdom that comes from heaven. Would you help me live practically and apply these principles to my life because I want the wisdom that comes from Jesus. So this is what pastors would call a softball because I'm going to say, how many of you need that kind of wisdom today? Let me just say this before we go any further. I don't believe in random acts and it's not because I'm good, it's because God is good. There are people in this room right now and this is hitting home like a ton of bricks because that's just the way God works it. You weren't planning to be here, and you're here. Or you're dealing with something this week, and this is targeting and underlying. It might not be every person in the room, but I'm telling you, God is speaking to you today. And just in this moment of response, because there's kind of a now what. Remember? It's not just, I don't want to just give you knowledge so you can accumulate it. Hopefully, I've prayed that I've communicated in a way I understand that. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is now I'm going to take the next step and apply it to my life. So if you need wisdom today, I just want you to stand to your feet as we pray. Nobody has to know why. 
doesn't say something's wrong with you. It probably says you're human. We can't make these decisions on our own. It's too hard. It's too much. you said we could ask put yourself in a receiving posture right now whatever that means to you God I don't know if you've noticed but our world is crazy I don't know if you've noticed (laughs) but some of us aren't winning like we thought we would Now, God, I admit today, and I know that it's probably more our definition of winning than it is the fact that we're losing, but we need wisdom. God, the fact that we're in this room today just looking to you for this, God, it's not an accident. We need your wisdom today. I pray for these people in this room, my friends. God, give us wisdom. God, I pray that you would take the knowledge that we can extract from your word. I pray that you would give us true understanding of that. But God, what we're standing about today and what we're asking for is God, we need to apply those things to our life so that we can see those eternal things and not just the temporary things. We want wisdom that comes from heaven. And I know it's in Jesus. And Jesus, you said when two or three get together, you're in the room. So thanks for being here. We need wisdom. And you know the minds and the hearts of every person in this room. Those watching online, maybe they're standing up right now just to make a point. You know exactly the area they need wisdom in. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would instill that. Give them a step. Give them a strategy. Give them a principle. Even today that they can start to work out, give them hope that they can get through and they can make the right choice because they're looking to you and asking from you. God, we thank you for that. Thank you, God. Would you just take a moment and just thank God for the wisdom he's gonna give you? I know I love giving people things, but man, when they're thankful, it's just so much even greater. God, thank you. Thank you for answering. Thank you for being in this room today. Thank you for presence that we feel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're online today, if you're in the room today, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, not only can you get Jesus today, but that's the source of wisdom. Isn't that awesome? So it says profound and yet simple just to say, Jesus, I need you. Just like we stood up, people that have been serving Jesus longer than you've been alive just stood up and said, Jesus, give me wisdom. You might in your heart be saying, Jesus, help me. I need you. I need your forgiveness online. You might, there's a host there that would love to connect with you. There's a connect card. We'd love to find out how we can help you in the next step in your walk. We have a prayer wall on the left-hand side of the room. There'll be people that love Jesus and would love to pray with you. Don't leave today. If someone could just pray with you, pray for you. 
but we kind of set the, set the table. This is where we're going next seven weeks. And I can say, be in the room. You know, I know you could catch them online, and I don't want to discourage anybody watching, but there's something about being in the room. Something about being in the room. I don't know about you, but man, I'm all in for the next, se- <laughs> hopefully I'm all in more than seven weeks, but I'm, I'm digging this right now. Some are wise, some are not. Let me just bless you as you go. I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace as you look to him for wisdom. Don't doubt it. Look to him for wisdom. God bless you as you go. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.